This episode of the Astro Powder Podcast is brought to you by Gama. Whether you're the shop manager, system engineer, or powder coder, once you decide to make Gama an integral part of your shop, you'll understand how simple it is to be so productive. For a demonstration, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. When you want to know that everything is covered, complete it with Gama. Hello, all you powder coating fans, and welcome to episode 30 of the Astro Powder Podcast. Episode 30, that's 30 for our Italian friends and 30 for our German friends. Yeah, a little international flair there. I'm your host, Joe Powder, a.k.a. Kevin Biller, and with me, as always, is my colleague, sidekick, and the former lead guitarist from that famous 90s band, Short Bus. That's Nathan. He's our powder coating research group formulator dude. You mean we're smoking dog <laughs> man? We're broadcasting from the powder coating research group studios in Columbus, Ohio. The purpose of the Astro Powder podcast is to bring the latest news and technical know-how to the global powder coating community. So let's get it rolling. Okay, but before we do, shout out. I'd like to give a heartfelt shout out to Nick Page. What? I'm so surprised. Nick's our senior testing manager in our powder coating research group, but um, he's also a sound engineer. He's an accomplished musician, and he's the creator of all the sound effects and stingers that you'll hear on these podcasts. What a talented young man. Uh, and from what I understand, he has a new album out. So here's a uh, hats off to Nick Page. He's a he's a great uh, coworker, friend, and a very talented uh, uh, engineer, musician, and um, yeah, all around good guy. And yeah, we'll put a link to the album in the show notes. I mean, if Got you're to. listening to this on your podcast app, yeah, just check out the notes and. You can follow it there. Yeah, don't hold anything, any of that against us if you don't really care <laughs> for his kind of music. Yes, it's entirely fair. Okay, let's get back to the podcast and to our Guess What segment. Guess what? All right, here's a big one. Coatings World announced that the European Coding Show 2021 is canceled. So the organizers of the European Coding Show announced that the upcoming show scheduled for September has been canceled. Uh, the statement reads, In many discussions with exhibitors and industry representatives over the past few weeks, we've had to conclude that the prospects of success for holding European Coding Show 2021 are not sufficiently assured. So basically there's, you know, a lot of the regulations, you know, from government have been dropped lately and now you know it's it's easier to hold uh big events and conferences than it was previously but uh i 
I think, you know, we were kind of speculating that it's probably some of the attendees, a lot of the big uh, corporate exhibitors and things like that, that, you know, if you have some, some big ones decide not to show up, then you're not going to have much of a show. Well, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think the other thing is that, again, the bigger companies in particular are being very cautious with allowing their uh, personnel to travel. Oh, and, and internationally. I mean, this is one of the biggest coding shows in the world. And so, yeah, maybe it's easy for, uh, you know, German companies to go, you know, go over to Nuremberg. But, yeah, when you're talking about crossing borders, um, airplanes, international travel, and people from all over the world, then I think, yeah, a lot of the, you know, an abundance of caution is still in place. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of people feel that, um, you know, the world is not quite out of the woods with the pandemic because there are some, you know, new variants that have been springing up, and, and it does have some people pretty uh, concerned, so... It's a shame, but it's it's it makes sense. It's I understandable. Think. Yeah. yeah, it's understandable. But they there will be a some sort of a digital calling it the Congress. Um, so there will be some digital component the thirteenth and fourteenth of September. So keep an eye out for that. But until then, the um, the next ECS is going to take place as scheduled in twenty twenty three. Uh, March 28th through 30th. So the American coding show is going to be 2022. 2022. Yeah. So hopefully the, the, the dust will settle on the pandemic. Cause you know, we're, we're looking forward to that one. We have a booth already reserved for the American coding show. Yep. But yeah, that's some pretty big news. Cause I, you know, they, we know that they were, being super cautious, they pushed it back. They were working with all their vendors and everything, but just couldn't make it happen. Yeah, it kind of frees up a little bit of time in in the busy September for shows. Yep. And this one comes from IPCM. Axonobel is developing advanced technologies for electric vehicles. So this is something we've discussed before. The the electric vehicles opening up kind of a whole new uh, range of applications for coatings and powder coatings in particular. There's a huge global demand for electric vehicles now. Um, You know, they're talking about the global electric vehicle industry will be worth around 700 billion by 2026, which is up from 140 billion in 2019. It's kind of crazy, and, and, and there's some in, really important points here, and, and I think a lot of us didn't see this one coming, Nate, but um, it's the functional coating performance of powder coatings, specifically for electrical insulation and for um, dielectric stress um, resistance and things like that. And these are the functional coatings that are going to be coating electrical components like bus bars, um, battery hardware, uh, statters, and rotors, actually, in the motors. And and really, they're saying this is really going to grow exponentially for the next number of years. Yeah, and, you know, specifically in automotive, like, you know, powder coating, 
used as like a decorative or as a protective coating for different components on the car. But yeah, there's a there's a whole history of electrical insulative and you know high temperature coatings that have applications in these battery powered vehicles. Yeah, who'd have thought it? You know, I, I wrote <laughs> some. Uh, uh, editorials back in 2015 2016 where i was saying you know it doesn't look like the future is very bright for powder coatings in the automotive market and alas and surprisingly look at this um it's it's for something that just really developed in the last couple two or three years absolutely all right and our um last piece of news this is from coatings world uh dic corporation um is you know they're finalizing their acquisition of BASF's color and effects business. They're going to transform that into a subsidiary and enter into a sales and purchase agreement. This one's interesting because you say DIC, and you know that may not be a household uh, company name to everyone, but that's Dynipon Inc. and Chemical, if I'm mm. not mistaken, and um, they bought Sun Chemical. A number of years ago, I say a number, you know, less than 10 years ago, but Sun Chemical was a large organic pigment producer. Mm-hmm. Um, Sun Chemical, at the, around the same era, they bought Bendelutz, which is a metallics company. Right. You know, mostly aluminum type flake, uh-huh. aluminum here. Um, but this BASF color and effects materials, it's the old Engelhard. Right. Which was like really one of the leaders, if not the leader, um, back in the you know eighties, nineties, early two thousand, pearlescent pigments for the most part. So, yeah, that's wow, interesting. Putting together a kind of a massive group here. Yeah, so it's 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 interesting. I think it's noteworthy. Anyway, okay, friends, it's now time for the question and answer portion of our podcast. Do you have a question? Ask Joe Powder. Well, you can ask him. Ask Joe Powder. He has the answer. That'll advance your powder coating. It's the Ask Joe Powder podcast. All right. Our first question comes from Dan in Cincinnati. He says, hi, Joe. We're seeing premature blistering due to humidity on parts that are being tested to meet a customer's specification. The test method is ASTM D4585. Uh, Would it be realistic to run the humidity test for a thousand hours and have no blistering? Also, could you give me any feedback on what what might have caused the blistering we currently have? We did put the powder on pretty thick for these. Okay, Dan. Um, thanks for your question. And this one, it's an interesting thing because it there's a lot of things that are connected here. Let me try and break it down for our for for you and and for our listeners. Um, blistering in a in a coating, you know, in in, in an industrial coating. Um, due to humidity um, exposure, is typically due to two different things. It could be incomplete or inferior metal pretreatment, which basically you get dirty metal or you get you know some residual traces of things on your metal due to you didn't clean it well. First of all, um, you, know, you didn't get the dirt and the oils and soils off the surface. Uh, Another kind of invisible issue could be poor 
rinse water between the cleaning and, and phosphating stages if you have phosphating. Um, so those are, you know, those are important things to keep in mind. Also, if you have incomplete metal pretreatment, which means you're just running your metal pretreatment system out of specification for, you know, it's either below temperature or maybe low concentration um, or poorly maintained. And finally, the final seal or the you know, the last rinses that are, are you know go on the metal, they could cause a problem if you know if, if the water's not clean. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I'd recommend if you consider any of these things, get your pretreatment system into specification. Absolutely, talk to your chemical supplier. The other thing is look at your water. Make sure your water is clean because if you're carrying you know salts and ions um, into your rinse waters, that may leave uh, uh, little locations for uh, blisters to occur. The other thing um, could happen is um, if you have incomplete cure, I mean, you have an undercure situation, you may have higher permeability of your coating. And, you know, th- that could be something where you have heavy parts that are not getting enough temperature or enough time at temperature. So I'd, be, I'd take a really close look at your temperature profile in of your parts in your oven. So that, that's another thing. The other thing um, that can happen, and it doesn't sound like it's a, a problem with these parts, but uh, thin film thickness. If you're just on the ragged edge of your film thickness, um, it's on the low side and you're getting kind of almost incomplete coverage, um, that could give you problems with humidity resistance resulting in blisters. Another thing that I should say, maybe you just have a, a, a substandard, low-quality powder coating. Um, so I would you know, go back to your powder coating supplier, look at their technical data sheet, and see what they expect the performance to be for something like blistering or salt fog. The last thing I want to tell you is um, you mentioned this test, ASTM D4585, which is their you know, a humidity test or a you know, controlled condensation. Um, the specification says that it can be run at three different temperatures. And if we want to go old school, it'd be 100F, 120F, 140F, which that translates to the modern world, 38C, 49C, and 60C. Well, if you're running the test at 60C, the vapor is going to be much more aggressive. The much coating might be a little softer, too. Mm-hmm. So double-check to see how the test is being run. Double-check to see how the test should be run because you may not see the same kind of blistering incidents at, a, at 38C as you would at 60C. Important stuff. The other thing is, you know, I mentioned, is your coating cured? You can do a quick solvent rub test. Um, if it's a polyester, you might want to do a, a xylene slash MEK blend, usually 90-10. If it's, if it's an epoxy or polyurethane, you might want to look at MEKs t- to test your degree of cure. So anyway, those are the things I'd be looking at. Good luck, Dan. And, and you know, let me, if you, let me know if you have any more questions. I'd be really happy to help you out. Um, kind regards, Joe. 
And now, a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for a solution to coat your most difficult products with no touch-up? Then Gama's Dynamic Contouring Equipment is the right solution for you. Unlike robotic coating, Dynamic Contouring offers greater flexibility without all the programming hassle, while correctly positioning each powder gun to automatically coat your parts. For more information, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. Automate it. Position it. Detect it. Code it. Complete it with Gamma. The Powder Coating Research Group is a proud sponsor of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. PCR is the only independent laboratory dedicated to powder coating technology. We do everything from raw material evaluation, formulating the next generation of coatings, new product development, testing, troubleshooting, training, and consulting. To find out more, visit our website at powdercoatingresearch.com or you can email Kevin Biller at kevinbiller at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. All right, our next question comes from Ayub in Abu Dhabi. He says, Dear Joe Powder, what could the weather effects be on an epoxy polyester coated iron? It's a sunny and salty environment with sun exposure. Okay. Ayub, um, thank you for your question. And, and this, this kind of file under the, um, hey, it's a powder coating. It has excellent performance. Coat my parts with it, and it'll be wonderful. The thing to remember here is not all powder coatings are created equal. In this case, you're using an epoxy polyester, a.k.a., a hybrid, um, and it sounds like either you or your customer are going to expose the parts or the, the, the field conditions are going to be outdoors, which I just have to tell you, the weather effects of an epoxy polyester are going to be very severe. Um, and I'll tell you what, the epoxy polyester powder coating will resist corrosion, um, but one thing is for sure, UV resistance will be extremely poor. And I'm saying extremely poor. We do our testing in, in South Florida at a, typically a 45-degree angle exposure. And epoxy polyesters start seriously degrading after about three months in Florida. Mm-hmm. So you can't consider them as an outdoor durable coating uh, whatsoever. And, you know, basically they're, they're going to chalk, they're going to yellow, and and within just a couple more months, the polymer is going to break down and and, and actually start you know uh, ablating or or um, you know falling off of uh, the surface. So I think what you need to do is take two steps back, Ayub, and make a different selection for your the powder coating that's going to be outdoors. Um, the best systems for you to consider would be. And this is important. High-quality polyester, you know, the, the industry calls them super durable. That super durable moniker has to do with UV durability. You can also consider a polyurethane. They, they can have the same type of um, 
uh, type of performance. Couple that with a really high-quality cleaning and pretreatment system. Um, if you have to have superior performance and longevity, and I'm talking about 10 to 20, maybe 30 years, you would want to have an epoxy primer followed by a super durable polyester or maybe uh, Colicote Class 3, which would be a floral polymer-based uh, powder coating. Hope this helps. Best regards, Joe Powder. Yeah, the previous owner of my car had the <laughs> had the wheels done, and I can only assume it was a hybrid because it just looks awful. So I'm supposed to be this, you know, know-it-all powder coating guy, and I'm driving around with a hybrid on my wheels. It's, it's frankly shameful. But It looks pretty bad. I think you need to ask the boss for a raise. <laughs> Maybe you could get, get those things. Get those done. things. Yeah, I'll, I'll get around to it. It's, All right. It's on my list of stuff to do all right all right we have another question and this one's from alan young in columbus indiana it says good day mr powder my name's alan i'm a production engineer i have a few questions regarding the curing process with the powder coat that i was told you might be able to assist me currently we're having issues with leaving touch marks on the parts from where they contact our cart it leaves a black line on the part but we've been able to remove it with rubbing alcohol. Our current oven setup is turning parts out of the oven at roughly 300 to 350 degrees F, 149 to 177C, with only three to four minutes of cooling before they're placed onto our carts. I believe that our parts have not had the proper amount of time to cool down and harden before they're placed on the carts. Most of the carts are lined with rubber edging nylon or plastic tubing to keep from scratching the metal cart structure. My first question is what's the general amount of time a part should rest before being handled or worked with? Additionally, is there a material or handling method that you might recommend for handling them with our current setup? Thank you, Alan. Okay, well, good day to you as well, Mr. Young. Um, You've got very good observations and and I think I'm going to get in the weeds a little bit on this one. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely looking at the right the right issue here. The powder coating surface is most probably too soft to be in contact with something where you've got any kind of uh, abrasion or, or friction or weight uh, on that interface. Now, you know, powder coatings are thermosetting materials, which mean they harden or crosslink. When they're cured properly, and that's heat and time, you know, temperature, um, this thermosetting process, you know, causes a a polymer and a curing agent to uh, chemically react and give you a nice, hard, durable film. Now, that being said, the hardness of this coating film will vary depending on the temperature. And here's where we get into the physics of the coating. Most thermosetting powder coatings reach what they call a T sub G, or TG, also called glass transition temperature, and it's going to be somewhere between 85 and 120 degrees Celsius. So that's the kind of physical property of a material 
when it transitions from like a hard glassy state to a softer, almost rubbery type condition. So it's important to have the coating, even though it's cured, to be below that T sub G. So it'll be a harder, and when I say glassy, that's a, a polymer physicist's term, but you want to make sure that it's back to its hardened stage. Um, and you said, okay, how long? Well, how long is not really the issue. The issue is what temperature and then how long does it take to get to that temperature. The coating and, and your parts don't have to be necessarily down to ambient temperature per se, but it should be, I would say, below 60 C, um, which is about 140, I believe, 140 Fahrenheit. Um, anyway, you got to let your parts cool down a little bit. To do that, you either got, you know, just to have a, a, a longer cool-off um, period on your line, uh, or you may want to augment that with you know, just moving air, you know, some high-velocity fans. So... Anyway, I would certainly, I'd, I, w I would run some tests, you know, on the spot, on your, on your line, where pull parts off and simulate packing them out from right after they get out of the oven to, you know, a few minutes later, measure the temperature of the part, wait another couple minutes, do it again with another part until you can see you're not seeing the problem. And then, you know, kind of, Back integrate that into your process. So, but I think you know one of the most important things is find out what that temperature is, and you can go back to your powder coating supplier if you can get a, get a hold of a technical person. They'll give you they'll be able to dial in what that that temperature should be based on the chemistry. So anyway, thanks so much for your question, Mister Young, and uh, appreciate it. Uh, best regards, Mister Powder. Okay, everyone, before we go, let's fill you in on some upcoming events. Hey, friends, where are we going? To an upcoming event. All right. Um, this one, you know, by the time the podcast comes out, it'll be pretty short notice, but I think we still have a couple slots left at the PC Kitchen Introduction to Powder Coating Formulation. Uh, that's the 22nd and 23rd of June. And it takes place here in Columbus, Ohio. That's our uh, short course that we give on how and what goes into a powder coating and how to put those components together and to formulate a powder coating. Um, the 13th through 15th of July is uh, Powder Coating Week. That's the Powder Coating Institute's event that they do in conjunction with CCAI. That's going to be at renaissance orlando at sea world orlando florida and yeah we, we'll be there just walking around you know taking in some talks you know that one nate you know it's it's sneaking up on us pretty quickly and i really wonder and i really hope that it you know the the stars align the planets align and that they have it it's going to be Sweltering, sweltering hot in right, Orlando. Middle of July in Orlando. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be miserable. But you know, we spend most of the time indoors or in the pool. Um, but I really would like to make that one because I'd like to see some people we haven't seen in 
what's it going on? 16, 17 months. <laughs> yeah, it's been so long. I just want to go drink beer. All right. Um, then the 22nd and 23rd of September, uh, the Powder Coating Summit. That's also um, one of our events that's going on in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, the 27th through 29th of September, the Middle East Coating Show is taking place in Dubai, the Dubai International Convention and Exhibition Center. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention real quick um, that Powder Coating Summit, you know, the the 22nd, 23rd of September. Two days prior to that, we are going to debut our PC Kitchen 2.0, which is advanced formulating techniques for the powder coating chemist or formulator. We got a heck of a lineup there. And that one's filling up quickly as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got a lot of people who want to go to that. Again, there's about two or three seats left on that one. But that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, and it's taking place right before the summit. So, you know, if you're in town for the summit, you can sign up for that. And, um, yeah, and just stick around for the duration. Um, one more to mention, um, Abrafati in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. Uh, that one was scheduled in September, and they pushed it back to November 30th through December 2nd. So if you're, you know, Really looking for a big international show that's, you know, that covers the whole South, Central, and, you know, Latin American uh, region. Hopefully that one goes on without too much of an issue as well. I know Brazil has their own um, issues with the pandemic. So Yeah, yeah I hope so too. Okay, um, before we, we, we finish, you can catch the Ask Joe Powder Q&A in print and also on the websites of Powder Coated Tough Magazine, which is the flagship magazine of Powder Coating Institute. I'm actually the uh, technical editor of that. Uh, I do work alongside of uh, Sheila Lamoth and Troy Newport on that one. Uh, Then our our good friends at PPCJ, Polymers Paint and Color Journal. That's color with an OU. That that, comes out of the UK with our good friends Christine Malthouse and her team. Um, that uh, gets circulated in Europe, which I guess you know a lot of times the British don't think they're part of Europe, but they are, I think, or not, or maybe. And Controversy warning. Yeah, and, and also the Middle East. Uh, and you can find some of our work on at the PCI, again, Paint and Coatings Industry Magazine, on their website under the Finishing Flash tab. And you can find us online at askjoepowder.com. You can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that you get podcasts. That's all your Stitchers and Spotify's, Apples and Googles. Uh, We do have a YouTube channel. We're planning to do more of the interviews. Uh, Coming up, we've got a whole list of people that we want to talk to and that want to talk to us. So if you... Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, you'll, you know, it'll come up in your recommendations. Also, we'd like to get enough subscribers that we can change the URL to something custom because then it'll be easier to get to. Um, Twitter, aka Joe Powder. If you would like to ask a question, uh, the email address is askjoepowder 
at yahoo.com. Or you can call in. Uh, we have a, a voicemail box at country code 1-478-2-ASK-JOE. That's 1-478-227-5563. This has been a production of the Powder Coating Research Group. Uh, you already heard about Nick. I'm not going to drag that on. And Dave's not here. <laughs> Come on, man. I've got the stuff. Dave's not here. And don't forget, keep your powder dry, my friends. Dave, let me in, man. Dave's not here. No, it's me. I'm Man, I got the stuff. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Astro Powder Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Gama. Gama's Optiflex Pro Manual Gun uses Power Boost technology, which gives you the industry's highest charging power at 110,000 volts and 110 microamps, allowing for faster and more efficient powder coating. We're handing you more power, more quality, and more control. For a demonstration, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. When you want to know that everything is covered, complete it with Gama. I'm going to talk about like this. Are you? Yep, that's, that's the plan. Except at the beginning, I like to blow out your eardrums. Because <laughs> exuberance is uh, welcome. Powder coat. Tings. I was just thinking why it's so holy on this episode. You get you right off the jump. It's like making an annoying sound. Uh, sounds like a very large zipper. <clears throat> That's pretty cool.